Listener supported KTOO. Welcome to Juno Afternoon, broadcasting live from the homelands of the Aquan and on demand as a podcast. It's Friday, February 16th, 2024, and it's Elizabeth Paratrovich Day. I'm Boston Christopher, and I'm joined today by guest host Christina Love. Gunnath Cheese, Hawa, Salamat for joining the conversation. On today's show, a deep dive into the significance of honoring Elizabeth Paratrovich and how both native and non native individuals can celebrate it meaningfully. In addition to our guest host, Christina Love will also chat with Felicia Marriott about education and Michelle Demert about advocacy. We'll ask, how do we truly honor Native people through Indigenous practices? Is this day solely for Native people? And how and should non-Native people honor and celebrate this day? That's all coming up this hour on this special Elizabeth Paratrovich Day episode of Juno Afternoon. Hanson Gress, Ka eat with the shu ye, we kashuk a ye tin. Jin kat ka ke jin talk, anakaya ha anikak, gunish cheese. KTOO would like to acknowledge that we broadcast from the homelands of the Aquan. The Klen AD have stewarded this area for thousands of years. Today, our studios sit on a spot, once part of the Tidelands, now covered over with buildings, roads, and parking lots. We recognize those families who travel to and from these Tidelands to fishing and hunting grounds and to gatherings in other villages and still cherish it as an important part of their way of life for today and for future generations. We'd like to take a moment and say thank you to the individuals who helped us craft our daily land acknowledgement. Gunnath Cheesh to Vera Starbart, who planted the idea of making it super place specific and guided us on pronunciation. Lillian Petershore, who created so much of the beautiful structure. Ishmael Hope, who gave us additional ideas. And Ernestine Hayes, Bob Sam, and Fran Houston, who gave important feedback. We are grateful to all those offering guidance as we grow as an organization. Across the state today is the holiday Elizabeth Paratrovich Day, in honor of the Thlinket woman whose speech before the Alaska Territorial Legislature changed the course of history. The year was 1945, when the legislature debated the nation's first anti-discrimination law. The turning point came when Paratrovich stood up to a senator who demanded to know why people, barely out of savagery, should be considered equal. I would not have expected that I, who am barely out of savagery, would have to remind gentlemen with 5,000 years of recorded civilization behind them of our Bill of Rights. These are words written and performed by actress Diane Benson, who used newspaper and witness accounts to reconstruct Paratrovich's speech, words that even today resonate with her granddaughter, Betsy. Just reading it just kind of sends shivers through your body just at how well-spoken she was and how she basically called out people that didn't want to vote in favor for the law and did so so eloquently. The anti-discrimination bill was signed into law on February 16, 1945. 
almost 80 years ago, a day that years later became Elizabeth Parachevich Day. Betsy Parachevich says many other Alaska natives fought alongside her grandmother and her grandfather Roy, but somehow it was Elizabeth Parachevich's story that became the defining moment, one that offered inspiration at a time when there was little hope. Our people need heroes, and we were not permitted to have them for many years. Parachevich says she's glad to see growing interest in the Alaska Native Civil Rights Movement and the hunger to learn more about a time when Native children were sent to segregated schools, when families were shunned in white neighborhoods, and couldn't eat at restaurants, where there were signs that said, no dogs, no Natives. All forms of discrimination that became illegal on this day in 1945. You're listening to community-supported Juno Afternoon on KTOO 104.3 Juno, 91.7 Juno Bay, and online at KTOO.org. I'm Boston Christopher, and it is my pleasure to introduce today our guest host, Christina Love, a proud Alutic woman, brings her authentic voice and transformative spirit to the forefront as an internationally acclaimed speaker, educator, consultant, recovery coach, and civil and human rights activist. Born on the beautiful land of Fairbanks, hailing from the rich ancestral lands of Egagik village and nurtured in the vibrant village of Chitna, Alaska. With a deep commitment to systems change and advocacy for marginalized and targeted populations, Christina's journey has been shaped by her own experiences as an adult and child survivor of physical and sexual abuse, a formerly incarcerated individual in long-term recovery, and as a person who has experienced homelessness and disabilities. Christina is part of leading a collective movement that works to end violence, oppression, shame, and stigma through the liberation of education, community healing, and storytelling. And a huge congratulations to Christina for recently being named to the U.S. Advisory Council for the President's Interagency Task Force to Monitor and Combat Trafficking, which was just announced this week on Tuesday. Christina Gunath Chishaigudi, thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure to welcome you back to the show because Christina Love may also be remembered by audiences as someone who has hosted this show numerous times in the past. Welcome, Christina. Thank you so much for having me. It is a little embarrassing when you read the whole biography (laughs) out. Um, It's part of Native culture to be really humble. And um, it's something that I've struggled with as um, an advocate, as somebody who is really loud and proud about my recovery, um, is holding both of those things, being and having an honest appraisal of where we are. So it's important to show people what's possible and, you know, to to um, to show people that we do recover. And uh, and those things are are all important parts. And this is, you know, celebrating this holiday is um, is is part of is part of that recovery for yeah, when individuals I, and, and for um, entire communities. Yeah, when I thought about doing a show for this day, you were the first person I thought of. And I'm happy that you said yes, and I'm happy to welcome you back to the show. And I know that you have invited a couple guests here, and we're going to have a panel, and I'll let you introduce them. But before we do that, I want to play one more little bit of audio. Um, And this is from the Molly of Denali episode, because we're going to be talking about education a little bit today and how do we educate people about this holiday. And this is the Molly of Denali show from PBS, and it's a little bit about a 
Elizabeth Baratrovich in terms of how it's being um, told to children through this uh, animated series. So here's that little bit of audio. Auntie Myrna! Shanya! Tui! Your grandpa told me what happened to you today. If I had been there, I would have given them a stern talking to. I'm a little glad we didn't have to see that. I asked Myrna to tell you about when she saw Elizabeth Paratrovich. You actually saw her? When I was just a little girl. <gasps> you were a little girl? <coughs> I mean, of course you were. I'm just trying to picture your story. In 1945, Elizabeth was in Juno. Stores in Juno still refused to let native people in. Elizabeth wrote letters and talked to lawmakers. She helped make a law that said you couldn't discriminate. You couldn't be unfair to native people. Finally, the day came to decide on passing the law. I was watching. I must remind you, Senators, that Native people are treated unfairly in this state. How do you think Native children feel when they see signs that read, No Natives Allowed, and aren't allowed in the same school as white children? Today, you can tell the world how we are treated as wrong and pass this law to make discrimination in Alaska illegal. The law passed. People couldn't keep Native people from entering a store, or movie theater, or anywhere else. Elizabeth Paratrovich was amazing. Yes, she stood up for Native people, and it changed the minds of so many. This coin reminds us of all the hard work it took to gain equal rights for Native people. But there's still a lot of work to be done. Welcome back. I'm Christina Love and I'm your co-host. And today we are celebrating Elizabeth Pradovich. And today's um, today's time together, we're really thinking about all of the ways that, that we can celebrate this holiday and lifting up heroes past and present. And that you don't have to be somebody that is necessarily famous, but we do have um, a really wonderful panel of people today that are locally and um, statewide and nationwide very, very famous. Um, so first, we have Alicia Marriott with me. And she's somebody, if you are out in the community, then you know Alicia. And I, um, she's a a hero to me because I love the way that I feel when I'm with you. You're very easy to be with. I love how knowledgeable you are of the community. And when you're talking about education or you're talking about advocacy, it just, it shines through you. So I'm wondering if you could introduce yourself. I'll introduce myself in Tlingit from uh, what I can remember. <laughs> so my Tlingit name, Tlingit Kainacht Ukhuhani Yuchat Duwasak. Um, Polish, 
My Tlingit name is Tukuhani, which means standing among the nettles. And my English name is Alicia Marriott. Um, I was born and raised here in Santa Kahini. Um, and I've been in um, education and social services most of my career. Um, I love um, and look up to Elizabeth Prachevich and a lot of other indigenous I was going to cuss. Um, <laughs> Femmes. So, um, yeah, just thanks for having me. And likewise, I always, your smile, like I can see it from a mile away. So um, I always know that I'm in the presence of someone who is loving and caring um, about their community. And so, anyways, good to for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and also with us, not here in the studio, but online with us is Michelle Demeret. And um, Michelle, I have to tell everyone, the first time that I met you was such a profound moment for me. So we were in Girdwood. We were doing a huge training for the district attorneys. So it's predominantly male, native, I'm sorry, male, non-native um, attorneys. And um, and uh, Michelle had just um, presented and she did so wonderful. And I was up next to present on, on my story about overcoming addiction and incarceration and surviving violence. And I, I was so scared. And Michelle had a flight to catch. And I asked her, I said, can you stay? And she canceled her flight and she sat in the front row. And I looked at her face the whole time for hope and, and for inspiration. And if, if you don't know who she is, um, she is she's an attorney. She's been a professor. She is a professor. Um, she's been a tribal chief. She's testified before Congress. She has a lot of knowledge um, about um, Native rights, um, including PL280. Um, but she's just a phenomenal human. She's somebody who has um, held the door open for a lot of us. Um, a lot of the spaces that I am in now is because Michelle um, brought me into the fold and shared my name. So thank you so much for joining us and for celebrating this day with us. Uh, thank you. It's my pleasure to be here today. And I, one correction, I was the tribal chief justice for central council, not tribal chief. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> but I, that day was just prophetic. I was so grateful to meet you for the first time and to hear your story. It has continued to inspire me to this day and to do the work that I do. So thank you. Goodness, Chief. Goodness, Chief. Um, Michelle, is there anything else that I missed or do you want to, do you want to introduce yourself or say anything more? Well, I guess I would say that my Clinket name is Jackathot. I am Clinket, Irish, German, and Scottish. My parents are, uh, the late Lawrence Demert and Sharon Demert, formerly of Cloak, And I'm Kahitsatan from the Mansfoot clan. And, um, my I'm a child of Taquanidi. My grandparents were George and Lillian Demert from Cloak. So goodness sheesh. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you both for um, the traditional introductions. Um, if you're not familiar with Native community, we will say uh, who our family is um, because then people know that we might be related. 
And there's a lot of studies that show that the language that we use or the familiarity or the closer that you are in connection actually lights up a different area of your brain. So if you are familiar, you think you're related to, then we have more compassion and empathy and understanding. So there's a, there's a lot of science to our, our traditions, um, which is perfect because our, our first topic that we are connecting to Elizabeth Pradovich is education. And Alicia, I was wondering if you could please share with us a bit about um, why the it's important to educate our youth about figures like Elizabeth Pradovich. Yeah. Um, well, I grew up here and I went to public school here and um, don't remember learning a lot about Elizabeth um, Pradovich in school. But after high school, um, I learned about her um, kind of on my own through my own research, which has been the case for a lot of um, just connecting with culture and indigenous history. Um, but I, in what I learned about her, um, and what I've learned from other people, um, who look up to her as well. And just, I love that you started to talk about, um, how you learned about her from your own, um, studies, you know, that, that a lot of the education that we're offering even today wasn't something that we saw five years ago, 10 years ago. So people, I hear a lot um, folks say things like edu education is the equalizer. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think there's nuances to that, but I take that to heart a lot, um, especially when it comes to um, indigenous rights and and education, um, because I didn't learn about Elizabeth Pratchevich. I didn't learn a lot about um, my ancestors or my culture in school. And, you know, we learned in a lot of different places, but it was really empowering to learn that um, she was born uh, into a, a family of resistors. Um, her dad, I think Andrew Wanamaker, was one of the founding members of Alaska Native Brotherhood. And so whenever I think about um, like curriculums in school or who's who has the power in government or certain institutions, um, I often think that the, those people are in those positions because they learned the rules and then and they learned, um, you know, the structure and how things work. And then they also I mean, I don't know how else to say, it, but like learn how to break break yeah. them, too. Or you learn the rules, you learn how the legislature works so you can go up and testify when there's a bill um, before a committee or the House or the Senate that uh, is infringing on somebody's rights. Um, so that's kind of how I think about um, her as an empowerment to education um, that when I go into the schools and they're they're learning about Elizabeth Paratrovich and AMB and ANS, for example, um, in the month of February, there's an art contest happening right now in, in the school district. Um, the kids make that connection because they're putting their creativity into it. They know that this person lived here. There's investment in ANS. Um, I think it's about just I, I grew really frustrated with how little I learned about this place until after high school. And so she inspired me because she she had to learn how the legislature works to go up there and and speak on our behalf. So I, I really love the idea. And I um it's and it's true of, of education being a great equalizer. Right. Like if, if we don't know what our rights are 
them, we can't use them um, as well. I love um, thinking about education as being liberation, too, mm -hmm. because the more that I have learned about people who look like me, who've lived like me and the things that they've done, it's it's incredibly significant that um, that she looks like us and that um, and that she when she, when she talked about um, experiences of racism, it was from her own experience, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and, and her family. And so, I, I mean, I, I maybe then that's the better question is like, what, you know, what does she, what does she mean to you? She means a lot of things. Um, we are, my, my father and, um, Kakasla are the same clan. Uh, they're blue Kahadi. So there's that connection that you shared. Um, we share our family connections. Um, I think that Elizabeth's work on the anti-discrimination bill that passed in 1945 is a, a huge testament in the same realm as um, something like ENCSA, for example, where Native people had to learn like overnight how to be business people and start corporations and um, how do you dole out shares and like all of these things that, yeah, like you said, like in a language and in a system and in an institution that is not familiar to us. Um, and I don't know, I think like some of my living heroes right now, um, like Ernestine Hayes, um, we were talking recently about a talk that she gave at the State Museum in 2017. I went to that um, in person and um, it's called we what what shall we do with our heroes and that was the first time that I remember like seeing somebody in the flesh and going oh my god like this is a a, a hero of mine and they're alive and um, they showed me that you can go to college um, as an adult and write a book and like do all these things that um, there's a quote at the end of Dal Raven, where she says something along the lines of, they weren't teaching us how to be white. They were teaching us how to want to be white, Ooh. which to me was like, <sighs> um, my brain broke because Ooh. my entire life I felt like I was trying to fit into a box and like check all these standards that weren't even created for us. Yeah. Um, and so I it made me realize that like there is no box. <laughs> um you know, we have to just create our own. So, oh man, I love that you brought Ernestine name, um, Ernestine Haynes name into this space because um, she played such a significant role in my life too. I think it was it might have been on Elizabeth Pradovich Day that um, that she did a panel with survivors from the boarding school, and that was the first time that I really thought about what it meant that my mother went to BIA school, is what they call it, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, and um, I, I remember sitting there listening to um, the survivors and Ernestine talk about their experience, and and I just cried and cried and cried, and it was the beginning of undoing so much in me. I had thoughts like, well, if, uh, do I love Jesus because I love Jesus or because there were missionaries in our village, you know? And I, uh, I mean, just undoing all of those things. And I remember I went home and I called my mom and I was talking to her about it. And she goes, oh yeah, that's because you were trying to be white. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she had made those connections before I had made those connections. And so when um, um, Ernestine couldn't be with us here today, 
But she did bring up a, a great point, and that is, you know, that celebrating Elizabeth Pradovich as a holiday is not necessarily a tradition of ours, you know, in, in the way that we celebrate. Um, and this idea of celebrating um, Indigenous people every day. Um, and um, I love that we're taking the space to recognize some of the people in our lives who played these pivotal roles in connecting us to culture and connecting us to identity and um, and connecting us to our own value uh, or disconnecting us from the things that have disconnected us from our identity and um, from our culture and from our family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break and uh, we're going to come back and hear from Michelle. We're going to listen to Fawnwood Remember Me. Remember me. 
in hand, you and me. Welcome back. This is Juno Afternoon, and I'm your host, Christina Love. And with us um, in the station, we have Alicia Marriott, and on the line, we have Michelle Demrett. And we were just talking about Ernestine Haynes and how Ernestine, like other incredible heroes, uh, gave us permission to not be in the box, to be our full selves. And one of the things that Ernestine said was, uh, she said, if, if the story of being Native is that we lose everything and that we struggle with alcohol, then I am just as effing native as anybody. And I remember laughing through my tears and I felt so grateful that there was someone else who had struggled like I had and who had overcome. And I love Alicia that you said that she gave permission to to go to school as an adult and to write a book and to do all these things that I had honestly never seen a native person do. And so, Michelle, I've just wanted to ask you um, where your inspiration comes from. Thank you. Goodness, geez. Yes. You know, my father, um, born in Kluwak and a Clinkett speaker first and then English second, he was always so optimistic despite all the challenges that he faced growing up. And he always told me I could do whatever I wanted to and be whatever I wanted to. And I had that perspective all through elementary school. And one day um, in fifth grade, I had this argument with my teacher about the doctrine of discovery. Although I didn't realize it was the doctrine of discovery. He was talking about how when Columbus arrived, um, he discovered America. And I'm like, well, how can you discover something when we're here? And, um, you know, so for several years, you know, that just befuddled me, right? And, um, you know, throughout my education, I started seeing that I was being cast into a certain light that uh, all the negative stereotypes that Native Americans have faced historically were starting to fall on me, despite my father telling me I could do and be whatever I wanted to. Started getting relegated to remedial classes, despite my grades being um, above normal. And um and I was so confused that I really went into despair in my teenage years and struggled with alcoholism and addiction and, um, you know, dropped out of high school and um, and really struggled for several years until I was about 25 when I realized that I was giving in to 
a negative stereotype and messages that people were saying to me rather than hearing from people who loved me and supported me and who were trying to um, encourage me to be the best that I could. And so I began that long journey back, you know, got my GED, got my associates, got my bachelor's, got my law degree. I've been a licensed attorney in Washington state for over 30 years. I'm a newly licensed attorney in Alaska. And I, I feel like, um, you know, the inspiration seeing someone like Elizabeth Bradovich who did not give up, who did not listen to the messages, who, who stood tall, who really, um, was tenacious and, uh, but still did it in a way that demanded unity and respect and, uh, and reasonableness, you know, that that's just so inspiring. And, and as an advocate, I'm, have done a lot of law and policy advocacy over the last 10 years, especially in gender-based violence issues. I've really tried to focus on those silent, those quiet, uh, strong women who really have developed their voice in a way that gets heard. And sometimes it's a little bit cutting because the truth hurts sometimes, but it has to be heard. And, uh, and so I, I just love her statement um, back to the, the man who was civilized for 5,000 years. Well, and by the way, you know, um, I'm from Prince of Wales. So we have, um, <laughs> we have remnants of, of our ancestors that are 10,000 plus years old. So, uh, so there, but anyway, um, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> you know, it, it, uh, it's really important for us as um as women, as sisters, aunties, mothers, to really in, keep that message of encouragement and uh, perseverance. Uh, you know, I'm a different generation than you both, and I learn from you too, your generation every day. I'm so grateful for people like the two of you or like Dr. Uh, Charlene Apuk, um, you know, from Data for Indigenous Justice, who... Um, who really challenges the status quo. You know, you all challenge the status quo in a way that we didn't have the courage to do so um, back when I was younger. And and it's just developing that voice now. And um, is it's just been really full circle for me to, to feel optimistic um, like my father taught me to. So... Uh, so anyway, hopefully I, that answered your question. <laughs> oh, one, oh, one, one thousand million or 10,000, 10,000 years of, of answers. When, yes, absolutely. I love that you brought um, Dr. Ipoch. Um, name into uh, into the space. And I think about um, also people like Amber Webb and the enormous cuspock that she made with um, the beautiful faces of our missing and murdered relatives and all of these really brilliant, creative, resourceful ways of, um, of resisting, of, of bringing education and awareness to the space. And um, I, I, I was thinking about our nine-year-old children that are listening, our 10-year-old, you know, our 13-year-old, our 23-year-old, our 43-year-old children, uh, or anybody who wanted to get involved in advocacy. Could you talk a little bit about your road to advocacy and if people wanted to do what Elizabeth Pradovich did, what that would look like? Yeah, you know, I am a huge fan that, and believer, I shouldn't say fan necessarily, that 
we all have that inherent skill within us and but we've been told that what we say and what how we think is maybe not as important and uh so i don't know you know i can't really pinpoint a moment in time but i just kept giving but i kept getting opportunities to focus in on my legal career on gender-based violence issues and the more I looked into it and I thought about friends and family members and, um, you know, whether they had been abused by non-Indigenous men or um, went missing and were not getting um, the, their perpetrators weren't being held accountable and there was no answer for the families. It just, there's that fire within us all where we just hurt but we we have to do something with that hurt and make it positive to to make people's lives mean something and so it's really important that we speak up that we're heard that when we have an idea it's a good idea don't second guess, guess yourself have confidence that what you say and how you think matters and pretty much someone else you know, right next door might be thinking the same thing, but they're also scared and afraid to speak up. And so it's just really um, building that confidence to to speak, whether it's at a city council, um, a PTA meeting or before Congress. It's really about what matters to you, who matters to you. And are you happy with the status quo? You know, does it and, and if it isn't, you know, I've never been one to complain without a solution. And um, and so and that doesn't mean I have the answers, but it does mean that if I don't have the answers, I'm going to say, let's let's try to figure this out. And so I think that everyone just needs to be kind to themselves, believe in themselves and and realize that they're that they matter and if anyone tries to beat them down you know what that's about them it's not about you you know um and and so don't take that on in any way just realize that um they're just they're trying to bring you to their level and what you say matters so Oh, I love that. I, I feel like the, my daughter could hear that at 10 years old and it, me at any age can, can hear that. And it is such a universal experience of being a Native person or just being a human in 2024 is that we all have that voice or we have people, you know, that have been in our lives. And sometimes that voice is a reflection of harmful things that people have had have said um, that make us second guess ourselves or that make us doubt our abilities or um, that keep us from using our voice or sharing our ideas or believing that we have something worthy to say. And um, I, I love that, um, that you make it so tangible for people, you know, that um, I also love the idea that anything a human has done, I can do under the right or wrong circumstances. And that always feels like such an important concept for um, people who have done things that, you know, have landed them in incarceration or people who've done brilliant things under the right or wrong circumstances. I could do that as well. And people like Elizabeth Pradovich, like yourself or Ernestine, um, make that more possible. 
seeing somebody um, seeing somebody who looks like us, who've had experiences like us, you know, who are doing that. What would you say is um, the, the role that education plays for um, being able to move some of these issues forward? Well, education is so important. And um, I was really fortunate to grow up in a family of school teachers. So, um, and incidentally, my uncle who taught in the Juneau um, School District uh, during Elizabeth Pratichovich's time uh, could teach white children, but he, they, he could not go into their parents' restaurants. So talk about you know, just really inconsistencies and um, hypocrisy. But education is really important and it doesn't have to be a formal education. It doesn't have to be um, college or anything like that. It's using your brain for whatever inspires you, whatever um, makes you happy, contributes to society. I'm a huge believer in contributing to our communities and we all have gifts to share and give, whether it's a small gift or a big gift. Um, you know, I I don't like to judge that sort of thing. I think that we all contribute equally and uh, and making sure that we understand that people learn differently and and process differently. And so I'm not a someone that can just be really um, quick on my feet. I have to think about things and, but then the re- end result really comes out with some creative ways to provide solutions. And so, um, you know, really sort of self-evaluate your gifts and, um, but also be kind to yourself. We all make mistakes and, you know, m- making mistakes, uh, that's really a, a good way to be creative because you just keep learning and keep producing and, keep trying to figure out how to do things better. Oh, I love that. And I love um, giving other people the freedom to make mistakes too, because I feel like the more, um, the more I've allowed myself the acceptance of being human, then the more I allow other people and that, you know, that reminder of kindness. And I feel, and these are what could be seen as, you know, fundamentals that we learn in childhood. But we also have to understand that specifically for Native populations where those our parenting skills were taken from so many of us, so they don't magically reappear. So there's whole generations of people who haven't learned how to be kind to one another, to ourselves, and um, and haven't learned the role of, of, of compassion. And um, I think this is this is such a beautiful way to celebrate Elizabeth, and it's such a beautiful way to celebrate the Native community. And I'm one of my favorite um, um, Indigenous practices for parenting. An elder said that it was really important for our children to feel delight in their bodies. So when they would walk into the room, then we would all light up. And then I, the first time I heard that, I cried. I thought, I wonder, I wonder who I would be. Um, if I had that my whole life. And the point of it was that we, that our children would grow up with a sense of confidence and courage to walk into any space and, and know that they are so deeply loved that they would feel seen in, in everything that they do. And now as a practice, when my no matter what I'm doing, um, then I'll stop um, whatever conversation I could be presenting. There could be 3,000 people in front of me. And if my daughter or son comes out, then I will turn to them and I'll say, my darling baby bunker poo. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, so that they feel that delight in their in their body. And I, this is, I think, what it means to really celebrate 
in being indigenous every day, all day. But Alicia, I want to turn this this question to you and ask you, um, what are the ways that, that you celebrate? Um, I know I owe my grandparents a visit, so um, I think spending time with family is a good one. I think of um, all the places that I see you celebrating. Like, I, it feels really important um, for the Native community, for the community to see us out in the community. So I think about, like, I in my brain, I see all the places that I have seen you in community. Mm-hmm. It's like a way of celebrating. Um, out doing the, out dipping and, um, yeah, and dancing and eating and sharing food and sharing knowledge and storytelling. Yeah, hopefully get outside. Yeah. I mean, if it was a little bit later in the year, I might be foraging or with, with family or friends. But um, just whatever your favorite Tradish activities are. <laughs> Tradish activities. Michelle, how about you? How do you celebrate? Well, I mean, I first and foremost, I love spending time with my family and they just mean so much to me. But I also like to just feed my brain. I love to learn new skills and meet new people and hear, uh, have new experiences. So, um, so, you know, during the pandemic, I learned how to raven's tail and chillcat weave. And uh, and so that was just amazing. And and I'm just hooked to this day and I'll, I'll continue on with that skill. So, in, you know, a dip sounds really nice right now. And I'm looking forward to to going over to cake next week and uh, hopefully finding a couple of folks that will do that with me. I would definitely do that with you if I was there. I would, uh, that would be an honor. I love, um, if you're not familiar, it's a really beautiful practice. Um, some people do it when the tide is going out and we ask the, the ocean to, to take everything that we don't need and to give us everything that we do need. Um, some people will have intentionality when they are going under the water and uh, asking for clarity and for focus. Um, is there anything that you want to say about those practices? Honestly, I've only dipped a couple of times. I usually go to accompany people. Yeah. But, um, when we were in Dillingham, I went with a, a, we we were doing some healing ceremony and I went with a large group of, of people and they were so quiet. They didn't say anything. They were, they were so quiet and they stood in the water and then without saying anything, they all dipped. Um, to, under the water together, and uh, um, and then I ran out there screaming. <laughs> I screamed the whole time, and then dove under, and then screamed the whole time. <laughs> That's what I did the first time. I didn't know you were supposed to be like mindful, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally changes the experience. Yes. Well, I think that either way would be fine, and um, you know, it's just getting out there, and it it just really washes you and your whole body feels alive and um, it just kind of makes you be in the moment and appreciate being alive. So being alive. Oh, I feel like that is the, um, the best way to end our segment. I and all of the things that we've talked about today are things that make me feel alive mm. from the very beginning and um, listening to you introduce yourselves traditionally, talking about your family. I love your your I don't know if it was an unintentional pun, but Michelle, you said that you're hooked on weaving. <laughs> 
but I could see you really come alive. Unintentional. Yes. <laughs> and I, I think that's the best way to celebrate um, Elizabeth Pradovich Day and um, Native people as uh, to really tune into the things that make you feel alive. And it's it's a it's the recognition that, you know, um, for many of us, we are more likely to be physically or sexually harmed or trafficked than we are to um, go to uh, college to buy a home or live past the age of 50. So what could be more radical than being here Mm -hmm. and um, and being alive? You know, very, very, very grateful to be alive for non-native people. Just to give you a couple of things, um, educating yourself about the history of Indigenous people is so incredibly important. It helps um, to fill in the whole story if you've ever wondered why Alaska has the highest rates of violence, why so many of us um, are incarcerated or um, without homes and um, in poverty. Um, Understanding the whole history fills in those gaps. You can attend local gatherings and ceremony. Um, You can um, learn about the challenges that our community faces with systemic racism that the and and if you are somebody who's who said, well, that was in the past, then this education is for you, because um, that this really helps us to understand that the past is present with us in everything. It is it is just the scaffolding, Um, educating your family and your friends or learning about how organizations are perpetuating these inequities. Um, And finally, um, getting connected to local indigenous um, community practices, um, following creators on social media, reading books by local artists like Ernestine Hayes. Um, and um, and Elisa, maybe you could tell us a little bit about, um, about the Alaska Native Sisterhood and Brotherhood. Yeah. ANS does a celebration every year online. Um, I think that that's hosted by Grand Camp and um, ANS and AMB. And um, and then they also, here in town, the City Museum usually does something every year. Um, they have a scavenger hunt and they show uh, the rights for all ending Jim Crow in Alaska. And the district does a, an art contest um, in partnership with ANS and AMB. But Elizabeth Paratrovich and her husband were both um, grand presidents. And they, uh, it was really Cute. Last year, I went out to present some um, certificates and, and award money from um, ANS and AMB to sit uh, Shanach and the kids um, in Mr. Wyatt's class were like, oh, my God, do you know Elizabeth? Like they thought I met her before because I walked in with my cap and Kugena on oh, wow. and they just thought I was a celebrity. So um, it really w- fills me up with joy to see the kids um, have that connection with her and and. Um, ANS and I'm a member of ANS, uh, one of the camps in town. Um, we've been advocates for education um, and missing and murdered Indigenous peoples um, for a long time. But yeah, let's just celebrate it 100 years in, in 2012. So, wow, wow. Oldest civil rights organization. Um, I did not know that. Yeah. That's incredible. Indigenous rights organization. Yeah. That's incredible. That's really incredible. Is there anything more um, that you, Michelle, and you, Alicia, would like to say? No, this has been a real honor. So thank you. Goodness, Chish. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Goodness, Chish. Um, I just want to share a phrase that um, some educators have shared with me, and I think a lot of people have, um, would be familiar with, but Kingaste, uh, David Katzik, and Chitli Ish, Lyle James. 
um, have shared. Um, Kingus Day, whenever he would come into the classroom, I remember when I was younger, I caught, I luckily, um, the, a couple of years towards the end of my public school, um, he was still in, in the schools and he would say, um, um, noble people of the earth, you are precious. And um, I believe in Tlingit, it's Anyakhusani um, so just remember that we are noble people of the earth Ooh. and you are precious. Oh. Thank you so much. What a beautiful way to, to wrap this up. Um, David would say that when we would go into the prison and he would, and there would be so many times when he, when he would tell people what it meant that um, men would be crying, that they hadn't thought of themselves as noble. Um, maybe ever. And uh, he, he was another person that was in long-term recovery. And I remember him um, um, frequently saying that in, in the spaces. So what a beautiful way for us to, um, to say thank you so much for celebrating this day with us. Thank you so much for um, making this so special for me. And, um, and thank you to everyone who's listening um, for being on this journey, for wanting this information, um, and for celebrating with us in such a beautiful way. So if you are interested in learning more, we've got a couple of great resources um, in the studio. Alicia's brought in this wonderful book. Do you want to tell us about it? Oh, yeah. Um, so it's a young adult book written by Annie Butchiever with Roy Paratrovich Jr., um, Elizabeth's son. And it's called Fighter in Velvet Gloves, uh, a true story for young teens, Alaska civil rights hero Elizabeth Paratrovich. Um, so this is a great read. It's uh, only five years old from came out in 2019. And then the author also gave a talk. Um, there's a SHI, uh, Sea Alaska Heritage Institute has a lecture on their YouTube page um, with the author as well. There's some, yeah, Sea Alaska Heritage has got lots of great resources. That would be a wonderful place to go um, to, to find more resources. Um, if you're looking for other books on um, some of the topics that we talked about today, I love Sarah Deer's The Beginning and End of Rape. That gives more of the historical context. Um, if you're looking for more resources on healing, I love My Grandmother's Hands. Um or Braiding Sweetgrass is a really wonderful book that um, the audiobook listening to the author tell the story with that, that connects some of the the cultural pieces um, to the historical. Michelle, is there any any resources that you'd like to lift up? The Alaska Native Women's Resource Center did produce a legal, uh, more of a legal document or legal book on. Um, on the Violence Against Women Act and the specific provisions in Alaska. And it's actually a book that I co-authored and I can never remember the title. <laughs> <laughs> I almost brought it with me, um, but there's a lot of the history in there and a lot of um, very specific ways that, that people can get involved. There it is. Yeah. So Alaska Native Women Ending the Violence Reclaiming a Sacred Status. That is sort of a textbook, if you will, in some ways. It has a lot of legal history and a lot of um, just information that is helpful for advocacy, especially uh, in the near future. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. And thank you so much, Alicia, for, for joining us today. And I'll, I'll kick it back over to you, Boston, to take us home.
Gunnath Cheesh, Christina, that was amazing and wonderful conversation. Thank you so much and welcome back to Juno Afternoon. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I want to say thank you to Scott for um, reaching out to people who had never been on the radio. I remember when he had originally asked me and I said, I don't, I don't have any experience. And he essentially said, well, that's the point, you know, that they wanted to make it more accessible for people. Um, I've always been very fascinated with it. And I'm so appreciative to to you and to Scott, you know, for, for uh, making this opportunity so for, for people to learn and um, to bring voices on the radio that um, um, otherwise wouldn't be. So thank you. Absolutely. Well, Gunnath Cheesh, and I really appreciate it. And that's going to do it for today's Juno Afternoon. Juno Afternoon airs Tuesday through Friday at 3 p.m. right here on KTOO Juno 104.3 and KAUK Juno Ock Bay 91.7. Find the show online at KTOO.org slash Juno Afternoon where you can listen to episodes, subscribe to the podcast, offer suggestions or feedback, or find out how to be a guest on the show. Our theme music is by Indian Agent. Juno Afternoon is a project of the KTOO Arts and Culture team. I'm Boston Christopher, producer, with a special and huge shout out to our guest host today, Christina Love. Also, with help from Aaron Tripp. Thanks, and have a glorious and wonderful Elizabeth Parachovich Day. Go and lift up some voices. Mm-hmm.